Today's scripture reading is Hebrews 11, 29 through 31. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. The word of God for the people of God. So one of the big themes throughout Hebrews is kind of this faith looking towards the future, faith that perseveres, not giving up, not just leaving Egypt, but entering into the promised land. And so as, as we're kind of concluding um, this, what has been called the roll call, roll call of faith, we, we now have um, this passage where we have the, the, the major event after the Passover of coming through the Red Sea, um, where they've left Egypt, and there's this kind of symbolic leaving Egypt through coming through the, the, the parting of the Red Sea. And as I said earlier, I imagine those of y'all of a certain generation immediately have images of Charlton Heston come to mind when you think of this. Right, and then the next is, you know, of course, that was where Moses had led the people to the sea. That Pharaoh's army was chasing, and God miraculously parts the Red Sea. They pass through His own dry land, and then the seas come back and conquer the Pharaoh's army, wipes them out, and the people are now freed. But then a generation later, they cross the Jordan. They come into the promised land, and the first city that is to be conquered is Jericho. And Jericho is kind of symbolic of entering into the promised land. It's kind of a, um, a paradigm of how God conquers the enemies and brings the people into the land that he has promised them. And they do this, you will remember, by um, getting up and marching around the city seven days, and then on the last day, seven times, and the walls fall, and they go in, and they conquer. Miraculously, by faith, they conquer the city, and they come into their inheritance. And finally, we're, we're told this third story of something that happened in Jericho, where one of the inhabitants, one of the citizens, um, hid the spies, Rahab. Um, she the, the spies were found out who were there, the Israelite spies, and rather than turn them in, she gives them a hiding spot and helps them leave. And trusting them and having faith in that God was about to do something to bring judgment on this city, by, by this, they trust, she has faith and trusts them and shows kindness to them. And because of that, they say, hang out this red um, thread from your window and we will preserve you. You'll be saved. And she was saved by trusting in their word. So we have these, these three um, stories that show us very much what God is doing in our lives. I, I think we, we go back and we look, and, and what we see is 
on a big national scale in these stories, God shows us what he does for us as individuals, as a community, as we are being saved. Because what we hear, what we see here is very much a picture of repentance that is leaving the old ways, leaving a life of slavery in Egypt, leaving this. You, you turn away from where you are in order to come to Jesus. You, you then see kind of this idea of salvation as they enter into the land that God has promised. They receive what God has promised them. That's very much part of this repenting, leaving something, and now coming in and trust. And we see a picture of what it is like for one who is outside to be brought into the family, the, the doctrine we, we call adoption, that we who were estranged from God have now been brought into his family and made part of his people. And, and so what we see on this large scale, as we see the God who split the sea, as we see the God who destroyed Jericho, the God who saved them, is the God who came to us an heir and a descendant of Moses and Joshua and Rahab. And he comes to us and lives among us and goes through very much of um, the same pattern as he frees us from slavery to sin and death and guilt and our brokenness. And as he does that, he goes to the cross and he receives God's judgment. He receives the punishment that we deserve and he conquers and makes us who are not part of God's family, his adopted daughters and sons, even as he is God's son himself. So by faith, they do these things, and they show us that by faith, we are saved as well, a faith that repents, a faith that trusts, a faith that brings us into the family. So I want to look at a few things with this as we look at this paradigm of you know, is you have to leave the old life to become um, part of God's kingdom. You, you can't stay in Egypt and into the promised land where that's repentance. A lot of times we think repentance is getting our act together and being nice people and, and not doing bad things. But repentance is turning away from that old in order to trust the new. It's putting away the old life, the old man, to become the new life, the new man that God has promised us. And that we, we see... All of this is done by faith. So, first, faith is not um, passive. Faith is something that moves us to action. Faith means that we do things. So the idea of just, I believe, but I'm not going to actually do something is not biblical faith, right? Somebody couldn't sit in Egypt and say, I believe God is going to take me out, um, uh, not not take me out, but you know, take take me out of Egypt, right? You know, I believe God's going to rescue me from Egypt, but not leave, right? You have to take the step, one step in front of the other, going through um, that path, that dry path that's been cut through the Red Sea. So there, there's this idea that you know they they have to actually move, they have to actually go, they have to actually follow Moses away from Egypt. And so the idea that I'm, I'm just, I'm going to believe in God, but that doesn't have any effect on my life, that's not saving faith. That's not true leaving repentance. That's not true trusting and receiving. Uh, faith means they actually had to encircle Jericho. 
Um, and, and both of those are acts of faith. I mean, to think you're, you're at the sea and you're walking and you're seeing the waters and you're thinking, oh, this is going to come back on me. I better move. And, and how do I know they're not going to come back on, you know, they're, they're going to come back on the um, army. If I get through, is the army going to fall? There's, there's a trust in the midst of this fear. And to think, you know, I, I just imagine somebody walking around Jericho. You know, the fourth day you had to be kind of thinking, I don't know what military strategy book Joshua has been reading, but I don't think this is going to work. There, there's just this faith that you have to act it, you have to do things. And so as believers, as Christians, that means we trust in Christ. We are follow in obedience. We actually have to trust in him, and that trust is worked out. And so just this, this idea that someone says they're trusting in Jesus, but if there's no impact on the life, if, if there's no embracing God's means of grace, there's no, no hunger for his word, no desire for his table, no, no desire for fellowship and prayer, I have to ask, have I really left Egypt? Have I truly turned away? Have I really entered into his promises if I'm not doing what he's called me to do to receive those promises? I mean, we, we really hate legalism here. I mean, we, we really do. But at the same time, I, I don't want to give any false assurance that just because I say I'm a Christian, if it's not having an impact, if it's not drawing, no matter how faltering that is, no, how, no matter how imperfect it is, true faith is going to lead to acts of obedience. I, I'm remembering a Puritan. I can't remember his name. But this isn't me. <laughs> It's a wonderful idea, the, the thought that when you become a believer, when you're trusting in Christ, you, you're going to obey. You don't obey perfectly, but you do obey. And so we're not saying we're perfect and we do everything right, but what we're saying is there's a change in my heart that's going to lead me, lead me to act on that faith and love my neighbor different, to fight against sin different. So that by their, their faith that is active... If, if, if I'm just convicted of my sin and my wrong, but I don't act on it to fight against that sin, that, that's not evidence of the work of the Spirit. People who are not believers can feel guilty that we have to trust in Him and act in obedience. And then at the second time, the second point is, though, that faith is not... Um, I'm sorry, faith leads to works, but faith is um, faith and our works is are not the cause. In other words, I'm not saying that faith makes these things happen. It's God's grace that makes things happen. That, that I have to act out of faith, but I don't trust those actions to do the things. I'm trusting in God's grace. So we don't mistake our actions and our faith for what God is doing. So one of the ways that that might be is There could be a temptation for us to think if we just follow the right technique um, in sharing the gospel with someone and telling them the truth, they will come to faith and believe in Christ, that evangelism will work if someone says um, the right thing and, and approaches it the right way. In other words, I think we kind of understand, okay, I don't contribute anything to my salvation, right? I, I'm, I'm trusting in Jesus Jesus did everything on the cross to save me. But then almost the church has this idea that 
But if I'm sharing the gospel with others, if I follow the right steps and I say the right words and I do the right things, that person's going to trust. And if he doesn't, the fault is the Christian didn't do the right thing rather than a rebellious heart that is hard to the gospel. Faith understands that it's not what we do. It's the work of the Spirit. It's God's grace. We, we want to be loving. We want to present the gospel as clear as possible. And it was with, with much um, attractiveness about everything that we do. And yet, we don't think that anyone will enter the kingdom because we did it right. Right? I mean, it's not this idea that I've got the technique down and so I'm going to do a better it's, it's that we trust in the Spirit. Parents... I think there's a temptation that if we follow the right technique and if we do the right steps, then our children will, you know, if we can work them through the machine, um, come out the way we hope. You know, that, that rather than this idea of, of praying and trusting in God, I mean, sure, we, we need to be having our children in Sunday school. We want to teach them the gospel. We want to catechize them. We want to pray for them. We want to guard the things that they're exposed to, but you can do all that, and it doesn't guarantee that you've, you've molded the perfect cookie-cutter Christian, that, that there's things that we, we have to just trust God and, and pray and trust, and um, we, we can't have this idea that my acts and my technique and my um, efforts are going to be what cause these things. We live by faith. So we act, but we don't trust our acts. We trust the grace of that. And then we see in that our repentance, our, um, our trusting and entering into what God has given us. And finally, I want us to look at um, the other part of that is that when we do that, we're adopted into this new family. And Rahab is a perfect picture of that. This, this pagan Gentile um, someone probably not invited to a lot of the um, really high society parties. And she's an outsider, an outcast. But she's brought in by God's grace and made part of this family. She's made part of this people. She's, she's with them. And what we see is that's all of us. That we who are outside have been made part of God's family. We who are not a people are now made, part, made God's people through, through leaving Egypt, through entering into this land, through our repentance and through faith. We're now brought into this new family, this new community with one another. And that, that does a couple of things. The first is, could you ever imagine Rahab being anything but humble at the mercy she received? I mean, she's, she's brought in with these people. She's living among them. And just, just picture her a few years later. She has to always look and say, I'm alive because they had mercy on me. I, was, I survived by the grace that they showed me. And I, I really imagine it would be really difficult to demand your rights, enforce your opinion, and look down on anybody else if you're looking at everyone else and realizing I'm here only by your grace and mercy. And don't you see that should be each one of our, uh, each one of us, that should be our outlook, that should be our attitude. Everyone in here is only here by God's grace. We're only here by God's mercy. And so whether you're the, one of the newer people in part of this family or whether you've been here well before any of us, you know, then, then 
we're all here by God's grace and by God's mercy. And so I, I can't look at someone else and say, well, you know, I'm up front, I'm wearing the robe, and I got the microphone, so I'm, I'm just, I'm here by God's mercy. And, and our attitude towards one another has to be of, of isn't it amazing I'm part of this family? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to be part of here. I'm, I'm here out of gratitude, and I'm going to love one another. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to put others before, because I'm never thinking, I deserve to be here, but y'all people... We're all here by mercy. And the other thing that should do to us is make us really patient with others. Not, not just part of this community, but others who are coming to faith. You know, that we're patient to recognize we're becoming a part of God's family. It's a process. It's not like I trust in Jesus and suddenly all of my theology and eschatology has worked out and my habits are perfect of following Christ. As we become part of the family, we adopt new ways. We, we learn what it is to be um, part of a family. We, we, we learn the culture. We learn, we have to discard old habits. And so it, it can be um, a temptation for a Christian when they come to a new understanding. You know, I've seen when people come to a new understanding of God's grace or a new understanding of the commitment God wants from us. I've, I've seen that and then turn around and expect everyone else to have achieved the same insight. And so it's a great thing that Satan can do to tempt us is when we do understand something, we forget how God was patiently bringing us to that point of maturity. And we look and expect everyone else to be on the same page immediately rather than showing them grace and patience. But if you have that same attitude that I'm, part of here. I've been brought into the family. I've had patience shown to me. I've had to grow in grace. You're patient with someone as they're questioning what it means to be a Christian. You're patient with someone as they're discarding habits of this world. You're patient with yourself as you're fighting against sin. And so by faith, we act. By faith, we trust that it is God who's at work, not us. So we're, we're following him in obedience. We know that it is God's grace that we receive everything. And through that, we know that we're part of a new family in such a way that we treat one another with grace and mercy and patience. All of this by faith. Would you please stand and let us say what we believe through the words of the Apostles' Creed. <clears throat> 